everybody, welcome back to the great and terrible AHS. I am joined once again by Sloby, fan Miss Shadow Lovely. Hello, gang. Hello. Hey, um, apologies if Beef sounds a little different. He's uh, doing us a solid and recording on a road. So if you've complaints <laughs> about his mic quality, you can eat my ass. All right, that, that out of the way. We're talking about uh, episode five, Origins of Monstrosity, of season two, Asylum of American Horror Story. And... Um, Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, that big reveal last episode of who Bloody Face is, um, that's, I regret to inform you, that's real, and we have to deal with the ramifications <laughs> and fallout of that. <laughs> um, and now he's just a different character altogether, which I guess is kind of to be expected, but they really did. Um, we'll get into it more in a little while, but they did just a piss-poor <laughs> job of writing, like, a nuanced character that was, like, the, uh, like these people could not write a superhero god forbid they ever have to write a superhero because like they would write clark kent and superman as two different people um they would not be able to rectify the idea of like having a public facing persona and then having a different alter ego like they cannot handle it uh, who is still at their core the same person because i think that's the big thing is like clark kent and superman are both like yeah like you said they're not two separate people right it's like it's yeah. the same it's the same guy and he acts like the same guy he still has the same like moral core it's not uh dr jekyll mr hyde where like one is unaware of what the other did that kind of shit <laughs> right yeah <laughs> yeah this one's actually um this episode's a little odd um because it starts off with um we go back regrettably to our original B plot. Um, I know you all are just craving they, that original subplot with Leo and his wife, whose name I don't remember. Don't don't um, expect that to like. Don't expect to be like free of that either. I would just say. Uh, yeah, like, no. There's no gotta, point where like finally that's over. They're gonna. They're no, gonna be to inform you, they're about to slam a bunch of new ho- hooks. <laughs> I say with finger quotes into this. Like they think they're hooks. They think I'm invested in the JPEG of a man floating down. They're wrong but they think that um yeah so shall we get to the cover story and the discussion of we are in future asylum again adam levine is dead at this point i believe Mm -hmm. um this ain't about him no one cares about him they only care about the three fake bloody faces because all right so it opens with a 911 call the whole episode opens on a black screen with a 911 call and you can clock immediately because he has the most identifiable voice in the entire universe that the actor who played Ben Harmon is on the mm-hmm. phone um, yeah. and is allegedly bloody face. They didn't bother like giving him a ghost face voice modulator or anything. You can just 100 yeah. percent tell it's like, oh, that's it's, Ben Harmon. It's just Ben Harmon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's Ben Harmon on the phone calling 911. Um, Dylan, Dylan McDermott, by the yeah, way. Dylan McDermott. Look, I've seen him in a few episodes. I still have to look him up. I'm sorry, Dylan. You're so forgettable on this show. But anyway. <laughs> hey, quick aside, by the way, and I just I have to get this out here on the podcast because um, it's been weighing me down a lot. Um, I keep mistaking Lisa Frank and Anne Frank on stream, and it makes me look so <laughs> stupid every time I do it. And yeah. watching American Horror Story has made it a thousand times worse. Like, Five Minute Crafts will be slapping some like rainbow unicorn zebra shit on something, and I'm like, oh, what a nice little homage to Anne Frank. And then chat just <laughs> lights me up. <laughs> nice. 
Uh, I wish I had that problem, but alas. Um, instead, what I have to deal with is being gaslit by the writers of American Horror Story who have Bloody Face, um, allegedly, who, again, we don't see him. We just hear the phone call. Um, Dylan McDermott, actor. Um, spoiler alert, that's who's going to be playing this character. Again, they didn't make any effort to hide it whatsoever. Um, and he's making a phone call. And he's like, you got to send someone to Briarcliff. There's been like three murders. And the lady's like, oh, no. Um, and I'm like, uh, wh- whatever Adam Levine's wife's name was, whatever Leo's wife's name was, um, she called the police successfully before they got shot. That was like a whole thing when the teens were like, oh, no, she called someone um, before they shot her. Keep that in mind, too. Just tuck that away in your little noggins for later. When they shot her to death, um, the like phone call to 911 was connected, and the operator could hear the screaming and also the gunshots. Um, that was kind of like why the teens were freaking out. Anyway, who could say whether or not that's important later? But... Uh, bloody face is like you gotta send someone and i'm like why is he calling 911 why are there not already cars on the way did they just like in did 911 hang up that call that leo's wife placed and we're like i'm sure it's fine i'm sure those gunshots and screams were nothing don't bother like locating where this cell phone signal's coming from and sending cars or anything it'll be fine i'm sure um anyway he calls the police and is like hey can you send people here um, and they do, and he's, like, being, like, <laughs> kind of bitchy about, like, ah, oh, they were, they were fakers, they were not, they weren't the real me, um, and then the police walk in to Briarcliff, and, um, the three, I'm doing air quotes for the number three, the three fake bloody face teens, um, are all strung up, like, hanging from the ceiling like marionettes, why? Who fucking knows? But the reason I do air quotes around the number three um, is because the third guy, I watched this opening sequence like five times to make sure I wasn't going <laughs> fucking insane. Um, yeah. <laughs> I... The third guy up at the top is just a fucking, a transparent still image of one of the guys. And like, they do a really bad job of when the camera's panning up, they don't realize that the camera like kind of tilts under and goes at a new angle, but it's a fucking flat 2D image of that guy. So like he doesn't move and he just it doesn't drags. change orientation. It's yeah, yeah. So, so funny. It's, it's like he's like one of those freaky statues that's like looking at you no matter where you walk. So the camera like walks <laughs> around and it's still just staring at you dead on this bloody face JPEG. Yeah, it's funny. Like so funny. I feel like in better media, I'd be like, I wonder what they were trying to say with this. And here you know, it's just they were lazy. They didn't have it. You know, they're not doing. A reshoot. My thing is like, did they just not like? Did they just fuck up the like prop yeah. they had and they needed to cover it up, or like, did they lose the rights to the actor? Like, what happened? Um, oh yeah, that's a good point. Maybe. I don't know why they did that, um, but they did. And we we've been talking about this opening sequence now for a while, but this is actually kind of shocking. Um, it's like the shortest opening sequence I've ever seen on American Horror Story. It only takes like fifteen seconds, um, and it's over. And then we're already to the opening like song which is unprecedented for an american horror story opening usually that shit takes like five minutes um this was literally like 35 seconds um don't worry uh it will eventually come back i know you guys were all jonesing for that sweet sweet adam levine subplot 
Um, but now it's the it's the regular, it's the regular plot. Um, and it starts with some lady we've never met before named Mrs. Reynolds. Um, and don't worry, uh, don't get too attached to these new characters we're about to meet because it's American Horror Story and they won't be around long, nor will they serve any purpose whatsoever. Um, this is Mrs. Reynolds and she's dropping off her little girl named Jenny who looks like um, we have Wednesday Adams at home. Um, and they just, they rip off a lot of movies in this episode. Um, this is their version of ripping off both The Omen and The Orphan. Well, they, they like barely rip off The Orphan here, but like very clearly going for The Omen slash The Orphan vibes. Um, and she's like, hey, my little kid, who's like maybe nine, by the way. Jenny's like maybe nine, probably, probably younger, like seven maybe. Um, hey, my kid probably did a murder, she tells Jude. Um, I'm pretty sure she murdered her friend in the woods with a pair of scissors. <laughs> I yeah. think normal um, stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my kid's kind of fucked up. Um, she blamed some random man with a beard uh, that no one could ever find. And then several weeks later, I found a lock of her dead friend's hair in her pocket. And that's also a weird thing that like they make this kid do. Um, spoiler alert: yeah, she's gonna, gonna say, do it again. <laughs> I, I like. I guess this shows how much of a just normal guy I am that I haven't looked into serial killer pathology this much. But, like, I feel like the habit of, like, collecting a memento from someone you kill is, like, something you wouldn't develop until later in life, right? That just feels wrong for, like, a like a seven-year-old to do unless they're, like, copycatting. I don't know. That just it feels weird. It feels really forced. Um, and if they're copycatting, feel, how is a seven-year-old in the 1960s copycatting a serial killer? Oh, yeah, right. They didn't just have the internet. That's a great point. Yeah, you could, <laughs> kids couldn't just figure out how to kill each other yet. Also, oh, we, didn't have, we didn't have very many serial killers yet that, like, people knew about. Like, I'm sure there were serial killers, and I'm sure they were active, <laughs> but, like, we didn't know about them. <laughs> that's a good point as well yeah um so yeah i guess it's just weird to me that that's how they decided to sell like i know she did it as opposed to like i don't know the little girl freaking out and being a little girl and telling her mom i did do it and then the mom trying to cover up for it I, also if you think we need there's a like child some, if, if you think <laughs> there's gonna be any form of metaphor or explanation as to why this fucked up little kid is like stealing people's hair there won't be um, it, they just wanted her to do a weird thing, and that was like the weird. Like honestly, would would have been weirder if she like stole teeth. Like that would have been more like freaky. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But just but, you I know, know I cut off. Yeah, I, I cut off some of the dead girl's hair, and that means I did the crime. Um, also, um, that's like bull, big, big deal. Real creepy people do that. You know, like come on. Get some teeth out here. Get a tongue. Yeah, that's just like regular stalk hair. That's like stalker behavior, right? Like that's like the person. Yeah, the the person who messaged one of my friends to ask what my beard smelled like. That's not murderer behavior. That's just weird person behavior. Yeah, dude, it sucks out here. It's tough being a content creator, bro. And that's what level we're on, though, is someone being weird and parasocial to a content creator as opposed to just killed someone. Yeah, and also keep in mind, um, again, another little nugget to lock away in your noggins, um, that she gave a story to police about a man that wasn't there who allegedly killed her friend. Um, The murder weapon is straight up in the back of the child who was murdered. Um, They would dust that for fingerprints. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, 
it, it was just straight up. The scissors were straight up in her back when the police showed up. So, like, oh. th- they would dust that for Prince. I don't think the seven-year-old has, like, well, the forethought look, to, dust, to, to look, like, wipe her prints Liz. off. Liz, we have not established that anyone knows what fingerprints are in the oh. universe of American Horror Story yet. And, uh, God, if only that soon was ten minutes earlier, huh? Because we're about to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're about. Speaking of fingerprints, um, also, I know probably a few of you, the ones who aren't watching along or have never seen American Horror Story, are probably like, did Liz misspeak earlier when she said that the mom was speaking to Jude? Why would Jude be there? Jude quit in the last episode. I wish I could show you that I'm shrugging my shoulders because no, I'm, shrugging my, I'm shrugging my shoulders right now. She decided not to. She's employed still. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm still here. You can't kick me out. Change my mind. Sorry. I uh, went and put on my Ravish Me Red. Got fucked up once. Realized I still, I'm not actually that into it. I'm back. Yeah, like they straight up had a scene of Sister Jude leaving, dressing up, getting drinks, um really really milfing it up and then going i guess going home and being like actually yeah i'm not i'm actually into the jesus <laughs> she, thing now she, got, <laughs> she fucked that guy and got post nut clarity and was like oh actually I, do, I don't quit my job like we got a whole sequence of her packing her shit up and everything like she literally packs her shit up and leaves and then she goes and bangs some dude and then i guess she's like ha huh, well I was really on one, huh? And then I guess went home and unpacked her shit and then works back at the asylum again. Uh, so so just pretend she didn't quit because that will literally never be addressed <laughs> ever again. Because she didn't. Yeah, they yeah. forgot, so she didn't. <laughs> uh, and um, so she, she works there again. Um, and she's like, sorry, we can't take children at our facility. Bye. Um, don't worry, the mom will not accept this as an answer. Also, um... I, I don't know. Maybe if your kid did a murder, you should um, tell the police. She's like seven. Like, it's not like she's going to get the electric chair. Like, you should probably just tell the police uh, that your child murdered the other child. Or at least that she has the hair. Uh, because that's definitely not just like, oh, my kid, like, fucked up and accidentally got their friend killed, like, when they were hiking. That's like, oh, I did this and I'm going to do it again. Um, behavior. You would definitely want to like nip that in the bud. Anyway, look, it's about it's about the unconditional love that a mother offers her child no. that everyone deserves, whether they have it or not. It's a it's a narrative show, Liz. The next scene, they talk about how much a mother's love is so important. Yeah, no, even yeah. even monkeys. I know. regret to in, I regret to inform you. I think they were trying to do a thing here. Yeah. I don't think they nailed it. I think they stumbled and fell off the diving board you into know, the water. But they tried. <laughs> and you know it's stupid it's well, you know it's the thing is with all the Catholicism and stuff around too, there's not a lot to hang a motherhood sort of thing on. You know what I mean? There's there's nowhere else for them to go, or they just forgot to, even though there were so many places for them to go with the whole motherhood motif. But yeah, it's God, I hate the show. Also, Origins of Monstrosity <laughs> is the most generic title. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Some might say that there's even a very important figure in Catholicism um, that yeah. might be a mother of a very important figure in Catholicism. Nah. You could say. <laughs> I don't know. You might have to brush up on your Bible there, or whatever we call it. <laughs> anyway. Uh, anyway. Oh, do you um, mean Rebecca, mother of Jacob and Esau? Yeah. Maybe Jochebed, the mother yeah, of Moses, probably, Hannah, yeah. the mother yeah. of Samuel? Yeah. And Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist? Yeah. Yeah. 
I um, for the record, I looked up mothers in the Bible on Google, and the seventh result is Mary, mother of Jesus, which <laughs> feels crazy to me. I feel like she takes number one, huh? By default. <laughs> I, I don't know. My first thought is Eve, but I guess Mary would be in top three. Like if we're ranking like <laughs> S rank mothers, Bible mothers, I guess Mary's like up there. Cause I mean, she like, she gave birth without like even having that, like have sex. So like she definitely has like some kind of passive ability that makes her a little bit better than the other ones. But Jacob and Esau at three over Mary at seven. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I can't. I can't stand by this list. Biblical mother <laughs> tier list stream. Anyway, um, remember Lana? She's in. Um, well, it. They tried. I don't know who they're trying to mislead us. I guess because Lana would immediately know upon opening her eyes where she was. But they treat it like she doesn't. Um, Lana's like rolling around in a bed and she like hears like what sounds like bacon and eggs being cooked. Um, don't worry, we'll get to what the fuck's being cooked in a second. Jesus Christ. What was he cooking? Parentheses. Elizabeth hates this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so Lana's like, oh, I'm in my nice comfy bed. It smells so nice. Oh, look, my sexy picture of my sexy wife's on my nightstand. Oh, it's so nice in here. And I, I smell food being cooked and it's so good. And then she, like, looks around and realizes she's still in the basement. She's still in Thredson's basement. Um, Again, I don't know. Like, even if you first wake up, you would know that you were under fluorescent lighting in a basement, I think. And not your bedroom. Uh, In chains. You would probably also feel the restraints on you pretty quickly. Yeah, they have a a weight you can feel, for sure. (laughs) You know, by the way, and maybe something to hold on to, says future slow beef. Lana is, like, the unluckiest person in, like, the, like in horror movies, right? And, like, what are the odds the one doctor who breaks you out of the evil asylum also has a dungeon? You know, like, it just... She keeps stepping on rakes. It's crazy. I think it's, Top. like, a, it's a Sarah Paulson thing, because you could say the same thing about her character in Cult. Like, oh... You escaped, and um, you have one person who believes you. Oh, well, the clown showed up to murder that person. Oh, your therapist is actually the brother of the guy running the cult, but he's going to help you. No, he's not. He's <gasps> oh, dead now. Origins of monstrosity. Now I get it. <laughs> yeah. I see. Uh, and, and, and Lana Winters is in that season as well. Ta-da. Uh, anyway, is that anything? No. Um... So she wakes up and she realizes, oh no, I'm in, I'm still in the basement that I, I guess, got knocked out in, drugged in. Who knows? She was sleeping in a, a. He has to have knocked her out because there wasn't a bed where she was when we last saw her there. So he had to bring a full sized, king sized bed on, like a bed stand with a headboard, and and a nightstand, and set it up in the basement where he has her chained up, um, without her knowing somehow. Um, and then put her in it and chain her to it. And he does, evidently. So I'm assuming she was drugged. Because um, if you got knocked out by, like, blunt trauma to the head oh, for wait. that long, you'd probably just die. Um, <laughs> and There'd be a brain bleed at that point, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah like, there there would dead. be some kind of... Yeah, you're, you're suffering from some form of cerebral hemorrhage. I, I don't know exactly what kind, but yeah, some kind. You are a vegetal at that point. Um, and she starts hollering. She's not happy about it, 
on it, obviously. And then he starts <laughs> going on the most batshit insane. Uh, first, first he does the funniest shit on the planet, which is he does oh, yeah. the bit that Brian from Family Guy does to a baby at a restaurant, <laughs> which is she wakes up, realizes where she is, and she starts screaming. And so he just turns angrily and goes, ah, 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 it doesn't matter. No one can hear you. Shut up. That's what you sound like. Oh, my God. Just let me have this sandwich, which... Liz, would you like to talk about what sandwich he's making? Because I have, as a fan of sandwiches and mm-hmm. high-end sandwiches and luxury sandwiches, such as the one we're going to feature here, mm-hmm. it's wrong in so many ways, but one of them is just so upsetting to me. <laughs> it doesn't have an egg. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, go go for it. Go for it, please. please. Okay, <laughs> so mm-hmm. remember how I said it sounded like he was cooking bacon and eggs? What if I yeah. told you um, that he's not, and... What if I told you the thing that he's allegedly that he says he's making is um, croque monsieur, um, which he goes on. This is the apples all over again. This is the apples from season one all over again. He starts on this like after he like hollers at Lana for screaming, he starts going on this like tangent where he's like, who doesn't love a croque monsieur? And I'm like, I reckon that if I asked 100 people if they knew what croque monsieur was. Uh, 35 of them would maybe say yes i was i was gonna say third yeah roughly a third and then like because for those of you who don't know uh croque monsieur is a a beautiful sandwich it's got a little bit of gruyere uh on the outside of the bread generally cooked to be uh you know like a little bit a little bit crispy a little bit crunchy on the cheese with a bit of ham inside of it usually some butter and then some pepper and salt um, this is a very elaborate and very rich sandwich. It's pretty heavy. It's not a thing I would recommend for a breakfast item. If you did want to go breakfast form with it, though, there is another form uh, known as a croque madame, which is the same as a croque monsieur, except it has an egg and thus is, you know, on paper, more appropriate for breakfast. Um, I don't know why in God's name they decided to have him make a croque monsieur, especially because he's like... <laughs> who 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 hasn't as a child woken up sick not wanted to go to school and their mom made them a croque monsieur which i guess makes sense because his point later is that he never had a mother to raise him because like i guess so if you think a mom would fucking make croque monsieur <laughs> yeah, he says some shit, yeah. Like, in the most weird accusatory way he goes who doesn't love croque monsieur i bet your mother made it for you every day when you came home from school on a rainy day and i'm like Whose fucking mother, first of all, is making croque monsieur, period, just period, but like on a rainy day after school? So what happened here? So what had happened was, and I don't know how this had come to pass, um, they conflated a croque monsieur with a grilled cheese. (laughs) Which are two different things, one of which is absolutely something a parent makes for a child quickly on a cold day when they get back from school or whatever. Because a grilled cheese is, you throw some butter on a pan, you put cheese between bread, and you fry it on both sides, and you take it off, and you're like, here you go, child. It's something you enjoy. I think being bloody face implies you have some blood in the eyes and hence can't differentiate. (laughs) Between the grilled cheese and the croque monster, even but though... But he's making it slow beef. He can handle the ham. The man knows what ham feels like. The man loves meat. Can't get enough. He's talking about how much he loves skin. He would know. Well, maybe, maybe in the 60s, the croque monster is a lot simpler. Ah! 
Maybe think- he's just been eat- maybe he's been eating too many croque monsieurs and his brain's fucking weighed down. You ever get one of those where you have so too much rich food at the beginning of the day and you're like, I can't think until one p.m. Don't ask me shit. Yeah, that's that's me with eggs Benedict for sure. Um, uh, yeah, like, that's me sitting like, down. Like, eggs Benedict. like imagine me saying, Oh, I bet your mommy made you eggs Benedict every time you came home from school. Like, like, I bet she made a nice hollandaise sauce every time your tummy hurt, didn't she? I um, bet your bitch of a mom made cake every time you sneezed. Like, what? What are you talking about, man? Like, I really think that, like, the American Horror Story writers saw a photograph of Croak Monster and were like, oh, it's grilled cheese, but the cheese is on the outside. <laughs> like, that's how they treat it. But yeah, he's like, I made you Croak Monster with tomato soup, which, again, that's a grilled cheese, brother. Um, but even further still, even more frustrating is he's about to give this long ass speech to Lana while they're eating their sandwiches on the bed. Um, and what she has is a fucking un like completely uncooked raw turkey sandwich on wheat bread. Um, they did. You want to know my theory for this? (laughs) So like during filming, it's pretty common practice to like you know, need to reshoot a scene or whatever. And especially if you're going from a fresh piece of food to like a couple bites in, you need that to be, you know, a fresh piece of food. It needs to be fresh every time you reshoot it. So you would have to remake a new croak monsieur every (laughs) time you reshot it. So I'm willing to bet they made a couple of croak monsieurs. Uh, Zachary Quinto fucking killed it in one. No mistakes. No, no redo needed. And um, Sarah Paulson made like a slight issue or just like the director didn't like the way she held her face or something and wanted to reshoot it. And they were like, we don't have any more croak monsieur. And they were like, well, make it. That's going to take like 20 minutes. All right, fine. Just give me a fucking just, turkey sandwich. No one will notice. Yeah, just, crap just, Photoshop, crap just Photoshop a still of a croak monsieur <laughs> on top yeah. of the sandwich. Yeah. And they're like, no, yeah. from the sky. We, yeah. we spent our VFX budget on this episode already. So, oh, what? Oh, oh no. We forgot to put a bloody face up. So that's our that's our $300 budget. <laughs> yeah, that's that's our bad. Um, so yeah, he's like wearing a tank top, feeding her sandwiches. Um, he's being real sassy to her. Um, he hands her the sandwich. And again, it's like, it's literally like two slices of raw wheat bread with very clearly turkey on the inside and nothing else. That bread has never seen the heat of a pan, not once. Um, and it's very obvious. Um, Mm -hmm. and like he starts giving his long ass unhinged, like serial killer origin story speech to her about how he's got like a mom complex because his mom abandoned him and he got like raised in an orphanage and he's he wants to feel like skin to skin contact we'll get into that in a second um Mm -hmm. and then he he hands her the sandwich and he's like the perfect mommy snack um which is one of many phrases that this character will say this episode that makes me want to die um (laughs) They're not doing a good enough job of making this guy weird enough that him saying, mmm, croque monsieur, the perfect mommy snack, makes sense. Like, he's not weird enough. He's not, he's just not. He's just a, a guy with mom issues. Um, and he's not selling it on being, like, a right. little sicko. Like, I. Well, I he doesn't have lots of. Yeah. work off of he doesn't have a lot to work off of right yeah because he like, went from yeah. being like just a nice a nice dude who did doctor stuff to like now i'm i'm sickos now <laughs> that's now right. i'm a 
now yeah. I'm a horror movie killer with a weird mom thing. Yeah. Which, like, that's pretty common, right? I don't watch a lot of horror movies. That comes up a lot, yeah? yeah. Weird mom things or for they, a killer? Or, okay. like, people have, like, a pretty clearly established, like, oh, X happened in my past, and that's why you know, I am the way I am. You know how in Psycho, Norman Bates has, like, weird mom stuff, but he never just outright tells you he does? And it's kind of like you, the audience, I've, inferring that, mm-hmm. and then... I've never seen it, but that's kind of what I was going off of, is, like, right. yeah, like, I, that's a thing, and it's, like, the whole thing is that it's quite quietly in the background and then like you find out yeah. about it yeah. later yeah yeah he's a creepy yeah. character because he keeps like doing those things and you're like what is going on the american horror story is like fuck that here's what's going on <laughs> it's so much better when we just tell you and you have to figure it out we're so, gonna make this guy tell you and it's gonna be yeah. really awkward and well Te- he's telling you lana winters is gonna eat a sandwich and it's gonna be very funny tell then show as the old adage goes yeah uh, yeah so we get a night. We get a great little flashback, right, of like a uh, medical school, you know. And they have to do. Uh, this is a real thing. They, um, I, I can't think of the name of it, but it's basically cadaver. you get. Yeah, you get a cadaver, and it's like gross anatomy or something like that, where you actually do dice, like group dissect, like a a, a, a cadaver, like a donated cadaver. Um, and they're all looking at that. And even though, by the way, these are all like medical students, presumably first looking at their first real life dead body. They're all just like in schoolboy mode, you know, <laughs> just like, hey, what the heck? Like, nice one, Zachary, Dr. Threadson. This looks, what is this, your girlfriend? <laughs> you know, yeah. good. I'm glad you were about to be like, nice one, Zachary Quinto, because I agree. I also, like, as soon as he went from being the. <laughs> Like the the doctor and doing you know that character thre- doing Threadson proper Doctor Threadson uh-huh. and immediately just went into uh, the weird killer from Heroes season one but like a little nastier. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's my boy, that's Zachary Quinto back at it again, going going nasty Spock mode. <laughs> like, let's go. Oh my exactly. god, yeah. And um, the the way that they frame this scene is like so funny because like he's giving narration over it to Lana to explain like his origin because it's the origins of evil um and like they uncover this cadaver of this lady and the other like 25 year old students are like oh is that Threadson is that your girlfriend and then the voiceover goes but I knew she wasn't my girlfriend the woman on the table wasn't my girlfriend and I'm like they could not have made him deliver that line in the most I wasn't owned way if they asked him to specifically (laughs) it was like a really confusing delivery too because like the response that gets as somebody who was a man in college and did occasionally get a ribbing of that nature is you turn back and you go fuck off man like that's it that's the end of it that's not like trauma but what does he decide to do he's like i should mount the cadaver i think yeah. <laughs> i need to rub on the cadaver the ca- a little bit <laughs> What if the cadaver was my girlfriend? What then? <laughs> no, it wasn't my girlfriend. It was my mom, is what he says, which is even worse. Um, it well, was better che- when it was just the girlfriend. Wouldn't the teacher also be like, what the fuck is wrong with all of you making jokes right now? Like, this is like a terrible... De- I'm, I'm t- you're out of here. You're out of this school. Fuck that. Like, everyone, everyone's just like, yeah, this is how school goes. Like... I don't buy it. I'm sorry. But yeah, because it like it leads into the next scene where like the cadavers like in front of like a classroom, like one of mm-hmm. those like theater type classrooms, right? Um, and the cadavers just like in front, and everyone's gone, and he's like in there, I guess, to like wheel it away or whatever. Um, yeah. Why would they just 
leave a dead body out like i know that it's a medical cadaver but it's still a dead body like it's still a biohazard or whatever right Um, yeah but he's like oh uh yeah this lady was the same age as my mom when she abandoned me i know that for some reason i don't think they give you personal details about the cadavers um in medical (laughs) school um that's just a hot take (laughs) yeah right (laughs) like this is wendy yeah that doesn't work right can I get a cadaver with a huge hog? That'd be great for me. Can I pick one with a big hog? No, um, I'm gonna need a more tragic backstory if we're gonna take a look at her gallbladder. Did this you know, like... lady like mint chocolate ice cream? I need to know before I cut her open. <laughs> um. Also, I I apologize if we did cover this detail and I missed it, but when he first presents her the first croque monsieur and like takes a bite out of it in front of her uh this is immediately after the screaming exchange when he goes croque monsieur the perfect mommy snack uh and it floored me he says mommy snack uh like that's anything he just keeps saying mommy snack and it it was killing me brutally i was like you can't have a serial killer stare me in the eyes and threateningly say mommy snack like it's not gonna hit dude like it's just like oh yeah oh oh, the perfect big mommy milkers like what the fuck are you talking about you're killing people (laughs) big bazongas you know what i mean (laughs) and he says mommy like a lot this episode and like again he's not doing a great job of selling like ah this dude's like un- he's not the thing is he's not sinister he's goofy and not in like an endearing way and like a what the fuck is this guy's problem way like he doesn't seem menacing at all he just seems fucking weird and not in like a scary way he just seems fucking weird um and yeah <laughs> he's like so then i um laid on the cadaver for a little while because i needed skin to skin contact um because i never got skin to skin contact and they wouldn't it's like a let fire emblem touch. player yeah. it's so sad <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah they hadn't they hadn't solved the waifus that you could tap on your screen yet so this guy was fucked <laughs> he didn't stand a chance yeah and god only knows that he could only find so many 33 year old brunette cadavers to like lay on top of for a while mm. and snuggle before he had to start finding his own and that's how he became bloody face. He explains that like, so, yeah. I, what I don't get is he's like, I needed that skin to skin contact that she smelled like formaldehyde and was cold. So is what he skin, says. Skin to skin is like is like a thing. Like when I, you know when you when you have a baby, you know what I mean. That's like one of the first things the doctors do after it's baby's okay. Okay, like throw it on the mom, you know, or whatever, because it's like mm-hmm. it's good for development and all that. But I, also, I, like, mm-hmm. his mom left when he was 33, right? Yeah! So, like, she was 33, she was so, like, yeah, yeah so work, assuming, right? unless, like, I mean, like, my mom was 30 when she had me, I'm kid number two or whatever, but, right. like, that still would be three. So, like, if you're saying 33, yeah, was it, like, how old, I don't know, it just, it's it's weird, it feels weird, like, the time scales feel off, which yeah, is kind like, of a constant thing. The thing, thing. Is, like, it didn't, he... It doesn't make any sense because, like you said, if say he she dropped him off at the orphanage when he was like three, surely she held him before that. And if they didn't and she like dropped the kid off at the orphanage like at birth, 
like how would he know who she was what she was like or by the way yeah her age someone would have touched him someone would have held him it might not have been his mom but somebody would have held him yeah hey and you know what else um just quick google here skin to skin care of the NICU uh really popularized by this study um from doctors Ray Sanabria and Martinez um in 1981. So nice. that's what I was also thinking nice. is I yeah. was like, I, f- I feel like that term is hella too early. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was assuming it was like mid nineties, but yeah, late 80 or early eighties. You said 81. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, not, cool. it is, it is fairly recent. Yeah. Cause like, it's so what like you're telling me is bloody face is way ahead on the curve on psychology. <laughs> he he's knew got something how important going on. it was. That's why he's all fucked Th- up. Mm-hmm. That's why he likes skin so much, I yeah. guess. I just that's think why he likes skin. I that's guess. why his face is bloody. Oh, no, wait. I guess. <laughs> All right, he's getting there. He's working on it, okay? <laughs> and that's, like, that's what's so goddamn confusing about him is because he's, like, telling his, like, weird fucked up, like, backstory to Lana. And then he's like, yeah, like, the, the cadaver just couldn't satisfy my snuggling craving because she was cold and smelled like chemicals or whatever. So I needed to... Snuggle, warm, real if, lady skin. So if he, only, if only there were women you could pay to be close to you or something. You <laughs> yeah, know, if, if only. only. <laughs> and I guarantee, if like all you wanted to do was like rest your head on their bazongas and get some skin to skin contact, they would be thrilled. They would be thrilled. I mean, that's like that's like what most sex workers say, right? Is like a yeah. huge percentage of their work isn't you know direct intercourse it's like spending time with or like all that kind of stuff right yeah it's like it's intimacy it's like companionship and like having a warm body to like be near a person to be near exactly what this guy would be into yeah (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. Uh, Um, instead he kills people um and makes them the cold dead this is why we need to support sex workers like there's so many good reasons but this is extremely a good one is i will have to watch less american horror stories (laughs) in the future yeah Uh, yeah um so yeah his whole deal is that he um doesn't like snuggling dead bodies so he takes live women and he makes them into dead bodies I guess I also don't like snuggling dead bodies filled with formaldehyde for different reasons, I think, though. Again, like you said, it feels like there's a few steps he could have taken before um, (laughs) just murdering women. Like, especially because the end result of murdering women is just he's like, ah, beans, this one's also cold and dead. Uh Uh-oh, got to do another one. Like, it's like he doesn't know how this keeps happening. He's like, what the? This one's cold and dead, too. I'm not um, a general yeah. practitioner. I don't know what keeps people warm. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I guess one final detail on his serial killer origin story um, before we move move on from it, because like, good lord, we could we could legitimately fill an hour just talking about this horrible bloody face reveal. Um, he goes on a weird thing about uh, research between like they took baby monkeys away from their mothers and then created two monkey dolls, one of which was made of terry cloth which for those of you who don't know is like bathrobe material where they like weave a yarn through another yarn to create like a big puffy plush absorbent material um and then the other one was just wire mesh but it had milk in it and the monkeys went to the terry cloth because even they know the difference and i was sitting in my chair like they know the difference between terry cloth and wire mesh how is that relevant 
like, I was like, what does that have to do with anything? Like, that's not a monkey. What? And then Lana asks for clarification. She's like, oh, because it was like soft. And he's like, no, because of the skin. And I'm like, but neither of those things have skin. <laughs> Terry Cloth yeah. has skin. What are you talking about? It's a bathrobe. Yeah. He's like, like they knew they wanted, they wanted the skin. I'm like, I don't and think that's true at all. Are you sure just wire mesh isn't comfy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. What, you know what? Here's a cool test for, for them as well. Um, I'm going to throw a bunch of a pile of wire mesh on the ground and I'm going to put a pile of bathrobes next to them. You just dive into them, roll around a bit and tell me which one you prefer and see if you also don't agree with the monkeys. I like the one that feels like skin. I say as I roll around in the wire mesh. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say as I as I get caught up in the mesh and start strangling myself. <laughs> Oh my god. So that's that scene. And then he calls Lana mommy and she screams. Um, ta-da. Uh so I guess the implication is that he wants he's he's finally figured out what has gone wrong with all the other women, and he's not gonna murder Lana. He wants her to be his mom. Um Ta-da. Anyway, uh back at Jude's office because she didn't actually quit her job and she still works there. Um, we get a phone call from another character who shouldn't be involved in the show anymore, who is Sam the Nazi Hunter. And I've been calling him Sam the Nazi Hunter as, like, a funny little joke, like a funny little title. Um, later, another <laughs> character will actually just straight up call him that. So I feel pretty vindicated about it. Um, but, yeah, so Sam the Nazi Hunter calls Jude and is like, hey, by the way, that guy um, who Anne Frank, who wasn't Anne Frank, pointed out as being uh, Hans Gruber, uh, a Nazi totally legit uh we were right by the way he's he that's him um but for some reason we need his fingerprints um to confirm this why I'm do just, we need his fingerprints i'm just checking know. in and let you know you know even though i'm a nazi hunter i, I can't do any jobs to, <laughs> yeah. to like investigate nazis i'm not really good at the hunting part like no, a Nazi. Like, that's the thing is like I don't know what his end goal is like to he's like murder a Nazi him or knower. Like, he's, yeah, he's he like just wants people to be perceived. He's, he's a Nazi perceiver. He's he's like a Nazi spotter. You know, like he has like the binoculars. It's like he's a Nazi, like, a bird watcher, but for Nazis, he's like I'm not gonna go get them. The fingerprints is my thing. It's like if you're not gonna act on it, why why do you need his fingerprints? Also, nobody acknowledges fingerprints as being like. A real means of identification in this universe for some reason so why are we bringing them up now um, also like yeah the whole thing if if part of the conceit of the character is he does this because he knows the american government will let him down because a lot of these people who are horrible nazis doing shit who are still running around were hired by the u.s government and on contract to the u.s government right like that's the whole I, yeah. idea so that he would need to take action on his own and that's why he exists which is why it doesn't work when yeah exactly he's like well, I can't just kill a guy until, uh, you know, I gotta get the prince, gotta know for sure. And it's like, what do you mean, gotta know? Like, you were so sure when you called in and you're like, yep, Hans Gruber, that's him. <laughs> and then you're like, ah, maybe, you know, we'll probably want to triple check. Like, how much? I think I hate Nazis more than this guy. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Also, yeah. that means that not Anne Frank just like pull the correct answer out of her ass, which is pretty impressive. Um, she was a, she was a Holocaust, like, uh, uh, how do you put it, like a scholar. Yeah, yeah, like she just researched it nonstop and just unfortunately her scholarship went weird. Yeah. And, and she just was like, that man, that man that I've seen for exactly 35 seconds, 
I know what he was doing during the Holocaust. I've pinpointed him immediately, even though I'm not the real Anne Frank. But the luck you would need, too, right? Because you would need a photographic memory, which I know isn't like a totally real thing, or but you would need that perfect almost memory to say, oh, that one photo I happened to have that I was looking at, this guy was in. And even when, like, the end of the last episode zoomed in on it, I'm still like, that is James Cromwell Young? Did they? I can't really tell. Is that supposed yeah, to be our... You know what that, I mean? Like, yeah, there's a <laughs> moment later in this episode where uh, Sister Mary Eunice, comma nasty, literally just looks at a photo and goes, "Wow, you were so handsome then." And it's like, "Yeah, he looks totally different." That's a great point, Mary. <laughs> That's a different man. Also, like Anne Frank. I'm doing air quotes because I don't remember what the actual lady's name was. Um, Lisa Frank. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Lisa Frank in this universe um, was like. Um, yeah, he used to come into like the barracks and like abduct women and do experiments on them. And that's like correct, but that's like not information a scholar would have, especially in the 1960s. Um, so she really yeah. did just like use her psychic powers to just, I guess, by vibes, guess what he did. Um, resonated right. with Anne Frank real yeah. <laughs> and became a proxy for a few moments or something things that this show could do as part of the paranormal that would be interesting that it simply does not is have a lady who is occasionally a vessel for Anne Frank that that could be something mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah who could say we do there's aliens running around somewhere but we haven't heard from and, them in a while there's also you, like monsters in the woods um that three of the characters what? met that I haven't mentioned in like six hey. episodes you know what there also is? Um, other Holocaust survivors who are not Anne Frank. That you <laughs> so could just true. avoid that whole thing if you wanted. You're you know? telling me more than one of them made it out? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? I thought that was the whole reason we liked her so much. Was she like, was the only one who... No, I'm kidding. I'm For the record, that's a joke. That's a joke. Yeah, Sorry. No, I, just, no. I know. I need people to know I'm not that stupid. <laughs> oh, but, my um, God. Yeah, uh, so she just, yeah, she just windmill slammed it. Uh, lucky guess that Arden is this exact dude who did this exact thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the the Nazi hunter is just telling Jude, like, I need you to get me some fingerprints and then we can make sure it's him. And she's like, okay, I guess I still work here and also we'll get your fingerprints. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got it, boss man. Uh, turns around and then the uh, tiny child um, is still here. Which uh, the the little Wednesday Adams kid who killed her friend or whatever, um, and yeah, Jude just turns around and is like, "What? What are you doing here? We said we wouldn't take you." And then I, I don't even think anyone, I don't think anyone else even enters the scene. Like literally, it's like the little girl walks up. Jude's like, "Hey, we said we wouldn't take you. Where's your mom?" And she's like, "She left." And then she just goes, "Mary Eunice, I need help. Weird kid. Weird kid. Help. Red alert. Weird kid. Help me out." And really, this is like, hell yeah, my new bestie's logged on. I love this kid. Um, Yeah, and like, I would think at that point, the immediate reaction would be, okay, we're calling your mom. Like, because they know who her mom is. Like, her mom, like, she used her mom's name and everything. Um, It would not be hard to track down her mom. But yet, they just let her kind of hang out for a while um, without really taking any action on it. Um but don't worry about it. You know who we haven't seen in like six episodes? That's um. Well, it hasn't been six episodes. Like three episodes. Uh, the Monsignor. Um, he's back. Oh, well, he's not back at Briarcliff, but he is back in the show. Um, and he's at the at a, a hospital with some guy, and the guy's like, "Oh, thank God you showed up to do last right." So this part's really confusing. 
He's like, I need you to come do last rites. Usually hospitals have their own chaplain. Um, mm-hmm. Unless right. the person like specifically requests like their pastor to come do it, which I assume this is not the case for the character that's about to be revealed, um, yeah. given that they can't talk. Uh, but the Monsignor's like, yeah, I'm here to do last rites for someone. And they're like, great. And they take her up or they take them upstairs to see who it is. And the guy's like warning the Monsignor. He's like, this person's really fucked up. Also, they have tuberculosis, question mark. Um, yeah, a lot of TB just floating around in here with no kind of anything, you know, yeah. just a lot of it. Uh, and then they get into the room finally, and he recognizes, Monsignor um, re- recognizes that it's Shelly. Um, I guess the people who were yelling at her and calling her a monster did identify that it was a person, actually. Um, and she got sent to the hospital. Um, but, like, again... Why he got called in to do this very specific last rites? Like Shelly can't talk. That's like the whole deal. Um, otherwise, she would just say like Arden did this to me. Um, right. How he randomly got pulled out of like the ether to like do last rites for her, or even or that they would even know that she wanted like Catholic last rites. Like is right. really weird. Um, well, I mean, I want to see Hey, it's 1960s oh, and we're all shitty, uh, you know. <laughs> quick, qu- uh, quick thing, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I had to look up some information to check and make sure I wasn't off base. Um, so yeah, they've got people with tuberculosis just sitting there coughing, vibing around with yeah, no protections, right? Yeah, what's the um, problem with that, Ty? The infectious nature of tuberculosis was demonstrated in 1865 by Jean-Antoine Glim, a French military surgeon. Yeah, so it turns out, like, we were acutely aware of how TB is transmissible, which is through the air. Um, And we just know, in general, TB is very spreadable, um, even if a lot of people are asymptomatic. So, okay, um, yeah, just wanted to make sure. Um, The other later dates that are given are, um, some people contest it wasn't until 1882, when Robert Koch uh, announced his discovery that it was caused by a bacteria. Um, And that proved that it was an infectious disease and not hereditary. So, first proof was 1865, final absolute proof was 1882. Uh, This takes place in 1960-something? Yeah, so they're a little behind. Yeah, hospital's a little behind here. Uh, maybe Dr. Arden's actually dog shit at his job. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Dr. Arden doesn't fucking know anything about medicine if he has someone with TB just fucking vibing in the corner coughing. Yeesh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's like, this is their through line that they used. Because like, when Monsignor realizes it's Shelly, he's like immediately quite, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Compassionate. He like immediately is like, oh, Shelly, like he's he's obviously like quite upset to see her in that state. Like, so we know that the Monsignor, at least at his core, still has a modicum of like humanity and does care at least marginally for the uh, yeah. patients at Briarcliff. He, he's ramping up for the the too grand of a goal that sounds good but in practice what he's doing is horrible kind of villain right like that's how they're ramping him up and this kind of works towards that yeah and if anything he is weirdly kind of like the most fleshed out and realistic villain um even though his end goal is i want to be the pope of new york or whatever Mm -hmm. um because that is his end goal (laughs) 
He's also, the problem is he's also, like, not a weird attempt to explain a serial killer or something, you know what I mean? So he's just, like, he's just, like, a, a dude who's doing shitty things to get power. Yeah. You know what it's, I mean? It, so. it's, it's wild that the guy who's doing some fucked up stuff to become the Pope of New York is, by comparison, the most realistic and grounded villain so far. That's a good, so very far. good point. That's a very good point. <laughs> um, but that's his deal. And then it cuts back to a like an establishing flashback shot of 1962, which was Briarcliff when it was still a TB ward instead of an asylum. And the Monsignor walks in. He walks in like a lady on an HGTV show who's about to buy like a renovated home. Like he's like (laughs) touching his face and like all excited. He's like, oh, I can't. The beds are so cool. And I like he clearly just bought the asylum and he's like walking through it like he's super excited to be there. And he's like, I'm going to put like curtains in here and i'm gonna make this this room and then um arden (laughs) trading spaces type vibes yeah (laughs) yeah um (laughs) and he arden is like standing at the end of a bed of like a patient with tb who's just hacking and coughing all over the room and it's like they're the only people in there there's like a bunch of empty beds and then arden who's a regular doctor at this point um and this one person who's like coughing and dying um and then like the Monsignor has like a awkward moment of like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought everybody was out of here. Um, and Arden's like, no, we still have um, a patient left and she's uh, having a bad time. And he's like, oh, that sucks. Um, <laughs> and then she dies and like the Monsignor does like last rites for her. Um, and then uh, I guess he agrees to help Arden move the body for some reason. Like, he feels bad about being awkward, because I can't think of any other reason why he would just suddenly agree to help move a body in a circumstance where he didn't even know there would be people there. Um, I don't usually go from just minding my business on an everyday, you know, a regular morning to agreeing to move a dead body that has TB. Um kind of on a whim. That's not really a decision I, I usually make, like, on the fly. <laughs> Not oh, him, looks though. like somebody's not very flexible. Yeah. Somebody doesn't have the ability to just pivot. What can I say? You know, sometimes when you're trained as an engineer, Liz, you learn you got to wear a lot of different hats. And, uh, you know, maybe the Monsignor's just built like me. You know, he knows he got to walk into a situation and, yeah. hey, might need to move a body. Life's hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's he, what it is. I mean, he does it without question. And he's doing most of the heavy lifting, honestly. And he's like helping Arden move the body, like through the body chute or whatever. Um, and then Arden starts going on this weird kind of like little explanation. He's like, yeah, I'm a doctor and I'm doing a lot of really cool stuff. Um, it's going to be a shame because I'm working on an everything vaccine that's going to make everybody immune to all diseases um i'm not going to be able to do that because this hospital is being shut down and turned into an insane asylum um you know i've been doing my clinical trials on like homeless people and criminals and whatever um i bet if someone wink wink nudge nudge let me keep doing that on per se maybe some patients here at briarcliff when you buy it um I don't know, maybe the Pope might think it was cool or something. Um, and the Monsignor's like, sick. Um, and he, I guess, uh, that's how he agrees to let Arden um, do his thing. Now, everyone buckle up for a scene that was so funny, I almost threw up laughing. Um, it hard segues back to the present. Um, Monsignor's pissed that Arden has been fucking people up, like, bad. He didn't realize that he was fucking people up that bad. He, and when he saw Shelly... He realized, uh-oh, Arden has been going unchecked this whole time and is now um, turning people into these creatures. 
Um, how do you, if you were to guess, just off the top of your head, how would you think that the Monsignor, a highly decorated member of this establishment, um, and a well-composed character for the most part, um, would address <laughs> Dr. Arden? How would he confront him? He walks in and he fucking whips that shit. He takes off his rosary and he goes Belmont mode. He struts in Richter. Left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. Pa-pam! And he just whips that rosary down on the album player and that gramophone is grandma fucked and he's done with this shit. What's up? Hey, Arden! You got something to say? <laughs> it is so fucking funny. Beautiful. I was in, I was in tears. <laughs> like, Arden is just straight vibing in his office, listening to some classical music on like, the fucking record player. Literally doing the funny little dork thing of, like, having a pen and waving it through the air like you're conducting the classical music. And, oh, and yeah, man, the monks and you were just... <laughs> yeah like and the thing is too is like i think they give him like a slightly lower angle too because they realize that like the monsignor is not nothing personal against this actor not a terribly mm-hmm. physically intimidating man so they're like okay let's try and make him a little bigger and have him do some physical violence and having him whip the gramophone with a rosary we, that explodes I, it explodes into like all the little beads <sighs> it's so funny god they oh Please, more me- media. I don't ask you to take a lot from American Horror Story. In fact, I often behoove you to explicitly not take things from American Horror Story. That being said, you're allowed to have a cool priest who uses a rosary as a whip. That's tight as fuck. <laughs> Use that shit. A broken clock points to Castlevania twice a day, I guess. <laughs> That's right. Because then it cuts out to a wide shot to show both of them like standing at odds with each other in Arden's office. And the Monsignor is standing in the most mom said it was my turn mom. on the Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> like the most mom said it's my turn on the Xbox stance I have ever seen a grown man. Like his feet stanced way too far apart from each other. His hands hovering probably three inches out to his sides just fully stanced up yeah like imagine a mom i threw up stance and now add like wide anger to it and that's about (laughs) where we are it's so funny and then arden adds gasoline to the fire and he goes i'm sorry would you have preferred mozart and i'm like this is the funniest fucking scene that's ever been an american horror story thank you for this whoever composed this scene specifically God bless, truly, because it is the funniest 10 seconds of television I think I've ever seen. Um, like, just the stress. Hey, uh, we've got some talented people who listen to this. If someone could do an edit of just that scene and have it just be like the symphony of the night, like breaking furniture sound effects yes. and shit, I would, I would ascend to heaven. Yeah, like in particular, there's a really good video someone did of like a guy like throwing yeah. shit and like flipping stuff over in a in a in like his living room or whatever and like oh, when yeah. stuff breaks like experience numbers come out and then at the end it does like the little and he, and he levels, levels up. up if we yeah. could get one of those for the monsignor coming in and whipping the gramophone I would I even, would uh, fly to the moon I even just like a subtle like little heart falling after the gramophone you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> just make sure when he like goes to whip it you just get a really good like huh. <laughs> yeah every time oh my god 
Um, and so then after that, the Monsignor's like, he's all stanced the fuck up. And he's like, Jude was right <laughs> about you. And then he like points at him. And then he's like, I saw Shelly in the hospital and I'm not happy with you. And then we get like a weird mini flashback of Arden catching Spivey, the dude who threw the shit in a, like episode one. Um, hard jerking it. I know you guys are like, Liz, no one's jerked at this episode. Don't worry. Someone's gonna. Spivey's in the fucking the closet, the broom closet, jerking off because he's watching Mary Eunice throw people. Um, and he gets caught by Arden. Why Arden knows he's in there? Who fucking knows? Yeah. Um, and he's like, why are you jerking off to Mary Eunice? And Spivey's like, uh, uh, she asked me to. And then he hates that. So um, I love this guy's response, too, because like... <laughs> Immediately, Arden's like, "You're just masturbating like you always do. You're a chronic masturbator." He's like, "No, no, no! It was like way worse before. It was way worse. I would just like jerk off any time at random. I'd just be standing in public and start jerking off. It was totally different. It's not the same. I jerk off like a little bit now, but it's cool. I know where I'm jerking <laughs> off. I jerk off in places where it's socially acceptable to jerk off, like a broom closet, looking at a nun. She wanted me to look at her, Arden. Like, yeah, it's. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, 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 they not this, this time. This, this time it was good. This time I was okay, actually. This, this was consensual jacking. This was consensual." jacking yeah <laughs> to which Arden is just so mad that Mary Eunice is nasty now and he cannot think straight uh when this is mentioned uh so he I, I don't he like bonks him on the he, head with his cane and then we cut back to the present time and we'll oh does he knock him out I, no he bonks him on the head and he's like oof owie and then it cuts to the present time um uh. And then we don't see what happens after that, but we see the end result. Um, right. Art. And Art. You good? He, like, Arden's like, I want to show you my little project that I've been working on. And then he, like, guides the Monsignor over to his, like, weird little laboratory um, where Spivey's, like, on a a bed, the same bed that he did, like, the surgery on Shelly. And he's, he's starting to get all fucked up, and his eyes are all fucked up. Um and the Monsignor's like, gasp, like, oh, no, what's what's happening to this guy? And then Arden explains some shit about how he's, like, trying to prepare people for when Russia drops nukes on the world yeah, or Yeah, the shit. atomic age. Fallout. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, the, he's the mutant leader from Fallout 1, but yeah. just a guy. Like, <laughs> but, yeah, just a guy, like, he didn't have to, like, face oppression. Uh, in fact, yeah. I would go as far as to say as, as a Nazi doctor, he is the opposite of the situation. Of the right. mutants, so perhaps it is the worst way they could have possibly done it. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, I want to create a person who will survive or thrive in the wastelands. So I'm doing this. It's like, this, what? This isn't, how is so, this? So, I, so I'm making people who can barely manage to speak or breathe or move. Yeah, right. great. They're going to do awesome, man. Oh, you mean the person that Mary Eunice just chucked at the bottom of the stairs of a school and couldn't crawl up the stairs? Yeah, no, great. Great, great idea, bro, man. Bro, I would quit my fear and hunger run if I were one of these things. It's not going to work. I've been saying this. Yeah, like, if I accidentally, you know, smack a bear trap, then the rest of the run is just like, well, I'm, I'm going to die soon. My as well you know figure something out so yeah. yeah like not exactly the the thriving and surviving in my lane moisturized type gamer you want going into the next generation you know yeah um and what's also weird is like they treat this like a secondary reveal like the monsignor like didn't just see shelly like 30 seconds ago um and that wasn't the whole crux of him coming in to like confront arden um 
because he's like, oh, what are you? Well, you like you can't get away with this. Like you've got to stop doing this. Um, and Arden's like, uh, well, if you go to the police, they're gonna know you were like letting me do it, and you're also gonna get in trouble. And the monster is like, damn, so true, bestie. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, ah, yeah. beans. I forgot about being an accomplice. Shit. And anyway, that's the halfway point of the episode. So, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess that's where we leave it for this week. Um, because we still have half of an episode to go over. Um, the in case you're wondering, the second half of the episode is just as unhinged as the first half of the episode. Um, maybe even worse in many ways. We'll just have to wait and see. Um, can't wait. Can't wait to see where it goes. Um, I can. Because I know where it goes because I've seen the whole episode, but can't wait to discuss it and see what other major horror properties they will immediately rip off. Who could say if it's maybe like one or five? Who can say? Any uh, any yeah. closing thoughts? Um, this why did we bring in <laughs> why did we bring in a Nazi hunter to have him go? Oh, no, it's not him. Wait, no, it is very much him. And then kill him off like. I just don't see why we had a whole character for this. Was that like was that guy like really well established in the industry? Is that actor like particularly well liked? Was he just like getting a role because everybody loves that guy? Okay, like, question. I, I, don't, I don't know. Actually, I mean that actually might be it. I didn't bother looking because yeah. he is kind of like it is an actor who very clearly like does more serious stuff than this show. Like his actor has yeah. a much different tone than the rest of the show. Yeah, and, and especially with the Adam Levine inclusion, right? That shows that they're not above doing a little bit of, like, stunt casting, as well as, like, a little bit of, like, hey, you're a friend of ours, just come do an episode, we'll get you paid a little bit, you know, that kind of thing. Seems like both sides. Because, um, yeah, otherwise I can't explain why the Nazi hunter exists at all. <laughs> like, he just doesn't serve a purpose that Anne Frank didn't serve, you know? When she walked in and was like, that's Hans Gruber, and our current resolution is... That's Hans Gruber. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, so. almost, it almost kind of seems like they wanted the Nazi hunter to be like the crux of figuring out who Arden was. But then someone cooked up a, well, what if we got Anne Frank in here too? Wouldn't that, that be so I, I cool? Think, I think it's a very misguided, because they usually like to do, let's talk about a historical event for a bit. Because we would have preferred to have been non-fictured, like, writers. Or, you know what I mean? Like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Where, but they don't actually get into her at all, so I don't know. But it's just, it was such a poor idea. <laughs> and I don't know why we did it. And especially, like you say, yeah, we've reached the same conclusion with another character, whatever. So it makes no sense to me. We will uh, yeah. see the conclusion of it next week, I guess. Yep. Yeah, till next time. Uh, Take it easy, everyone. Take it easy.